Hello, everyone out there, and welcome to the Roll for Crit podcast. Happy you could join us today or whenever you're listening for another round of board game, card game, and RPG discussion. My name is Jonathan Estes. I'm Will Keeler. We hope you've had a good start to March. We're slowly, hopefully, approaching spring weather. Fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah, well, in New Jersey, it's beautiful today, and I believe it is going to snow tomorrow. So <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much what it's like uh, this time of year uh, here in the East Coast, at least. Uh, now, before we get into our show, as always, we're going to check in with our podcast mascot, Roland F. Criterion, who, for people who aren't subscribed to our Patreon, you may not know, uh, Roland leveled up. He hit level three big deal for him and as a bard he is an Asamar bard he has officially chosen a bard college that being the college of creation uh which means most importantly he now has the ability to create small or medium items non-magical items that will disappear after a while so i think that's a pretty cool ability we'll see if it comes in handy uh for anyone who doesn't recall We'll catch you up to speed right now. Roland just finished uh, successfully leading a coup in a town against a corrupt government. He unfortunately uh, kind of missed the landing in trying to establish a a new government and uh, <laughs> legal system for them. Didn't do such a great job on that front. He, but he knew what to overthrow, not to actually put up. <laughs> it's easier to destroy than to rebuild, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, that's not his problem anymore. He's moving on to bigger and better things. He's, 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 he, the problem was he didn't he wasn't part of the College of Creation yet right now he's there that's easy yeah right now if if only he had he would have known uh but now he's off in search of a new adventure traveling on his lonesome and he comes across uh a merchant hanging from a tree who by his feet sorry that sounded morbid at first not he's not hanging like he's he's still alive he's upside down bound by his feet hands tied behind his back uh he's got a cart full of uh merchandise and stuff uh underneath him and he's crying out for help and he he, he's he's hoping that roland is going to help him as he passes by will roland help him how will he handle this situation I don't know. That's why we brought a guest on this week to discuss board games and to help Roland out in this specific instance. Joining our party today, he is a professor and a game designer, having worked on titles like Belfort, Junk Art, and many more. Welcome to the show, Sen Fung Lim. Hey, how you doing? I am doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing very good. Oh, good. Here. (laughs) we're all in agreement everything is good uh unfortunately this merchant is not doing so great so sen we're really i'm looking to you for advice now what do you think roland should do Uh, it's your choice as to how he proceeds if you have any questions about stats or items of course we're happy to provide them but really anything you want roland to do he's he's kind of a he's a little bit strange and scattered this character because every (laughs) week someone different tells him what to do (laughs) Sure. And now he can make anything. So Oh that's, yeah, he can make something. Right. So um this merchant, does does Roland have a relationship with this merchant at all? Or is there is there something about this merchant that Roland needs something? Hmm. I, um now of course Roland is sort of um he's only level three. He's not the most well-equipped person. So he's always in need of items. It is interesting. Mm. He doesn't, I don't believe, know him, have any kind of established relationship but if maybe that's something we could roll for as the role this week is to maybe see if he can recognize 
something from his clothing or or the look in his face if he maybe has seen him before or if there's anything about him that's significant. Well, does does Roland have like history or lore or any of those skills? Mm, what skills does Roland? He definitely have? has history. Yes, he's got a yes. plus five there. Yes, yeah, oh, for okay. sure. He's yes. a bard, right? Yes, he is a bard. Oh yeah, he, okay. he's he's real good with performance, history, charisma stuff, of course. Okay, well, I mean, uh, what does Roland really need right now? Hmm, that's a good question, Will. What do you think? Does Roland? What does Roland need? <laughs> what does he want in his life? <laughs> well, I think he can make most items that he might need for sh- like short term notices, but right now. He probably, he, you know, he helped push through a whole coup. He's mm-hmm. probably short on funds. Oh. Hmm. Okay, hmm. so the merchant might have some some gold, but, uh, oh, you know what? Roland and the merchant should, like, make a, uh, a conglomeration of sorts where <laughs> Roland crafts things for him and the merchant sells the things and Roland gets a cut. That's oh, what wow. should happen. All right, they're going to set up this. their own like little Etsy shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, great. So I guess, well, let's see. So he's hanging upside down. Uh, of course, we, we always we always turn this into a roll each week. So are we rolling to, is he going to try to convince him or is he going to say, I'll cut you down on the condition that you agree to be my partner? <laughs> or uh, is he just going to do it in good faith? And uh, I think I, I think it's a persuasion. He has to explain his business mm-hmm. opportunity to the merchant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now maybe he rose alone enough. The merchant's like, just cut me down for, please. I need to get down. But <laughs> yeah, he has, to, he has to. He has to pitch. He has to pitch his his idea. All right. It's, it's I, like Dragon's Den or Shark Tank <laughs> or whatever you have in whatever country you're in. We have Dragon's Den in Canada. So welcome oh. to D and D Tree, where we yeah. tie the, the investors in a tree until they find something to cut them down. Yeah, right. There you go. Um, Canada right. sounds way cooler. You have Dragon's Den. That's better than Shark Tank. Anyway, I think so too. <laughs> all right. Dragons so we'll, are known to have more gold. But all right, here we go. Let's do it. Roll that die. Um. Uh oh. <laughs> Uh oh, I mean he gets he has a great bonus. Yeah, yeah, he does. But maybe he should have cut him down first because he he rolled a two. Oh no! <laughs> All right, so the merchant is very skeptical uh, because Roland makes an impassioned speech, uh, but it's while he's you know hanging upside down and the blood's all rushing to his head, and he's like, "Why is this stranger I don't know uh, pitching me on a business plan when I'm clearly in need of help?" Uh, but he's not so put off by Roland that he's <laughs> angry or, or scared. He's, he's just kind of perturbed. Uh, so after some yelling, I think Roland will agree to, 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 to do the cutting, help this guy out. And, and maybe he's like, you know what? I need you to show me. I need you to prove to me that you've got the business acumen or the, or the crafting skills, I suppose, because uh, I'll handle the business end of it to make this partnership work. And maybe that's that's what we'll figure out next week. But I'm Man, excited for this new venture. Last two weeks, haven't been great for Roland. <laughs> yeah, he's having some down, especially considering usually he gets off easy because we do charisma checks and his uh, charisma is just yeah, so good. I, I think I need to train my dice. I gotta, I gotta have a talk with him. Like, look, yeah. guys, I see. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I like this path. I did not foresee this outcome, so I'm, I, I like I like what you did here, Sen. Uh, but anyway, that's enough tomfoolery. Let's actually talk about board game news. We're gonna head now. To the news roundup. News roundup. 
having so much fun with uh with Roland, kind of just want to do a D and D podcast. But no, <laughs> that's not what we're here for. We have things to discuss, mostly just new game announcements this week. Uh, and I've I've kind of tried to split them off into sections by category, uh, but we'll see how it goes. First off, a bunch of new games announced that are going to be specifically premiering on the crowdfunding website GameFound, who continues to up their game, no pun intended, because that's too really too weak of a pun for me to even want to use it. Uh, but they keep coming out with more and bigger projects, trying to compete with Kickstarter. Some of the ones that they just announced, we have kind of talked about. We already knew were coming, like Raw and Thorgal. Uh, but some of these are new. There's one from the Cyanide and Happiness people who did the uh, Cyanide and Happiness webcomic and cartoons and the other game that came out. What was it about the train and the uh, <laughs> the, uh, the the murder trolley? Yeah, Murder. trial by trolley. Trial yeah, by that trolley. That's what it is. Thank you. <laughs> Train trolley. I was close. Uh, they have a, a new title there, but it's top secret, so we don't exactly know what it is yet. There's also a new standalone sequel to Sleeping Gods called Sleeping Gods Distant Skies. Uh, so that's a pretty big deal because that's obviously a huge game that a lot of people are excited about. Uh, there's Andromeda's Edge, which comes from the designer of Dwellings of Elder Vale, uh, as, as well as other games. But that was, of course, a big crowdfunding hit. This is a new sci-fi title. And there's also a game called Oak from Game Brewer, which is a druid-themed magical game that also involves bards. So some tie into the beginning of our show. So a lot of big titles there. Sen, I'm wondering uh, what, what you think about GameFound overall and like how you think they're doing and if are any of these projects ones you're specifically looking forward to? Uh, that's a good question. So we were, I believe, the second or maybe even the first non- related GameFound project uh, when we did Kingdom Rush Elemental Uprising almost well, mm. a long time ago, actually now, relatively speaking. Um, and it did really well for us. So um, I think GameFound has the capability of really upsetting and uh, maybe changing the game. <laughs> Pun. We did um, again. <laughs> I know. Uh, a little bit. And I'm, I'm really hopeful because I think Kickstarter does need some competition. Uh, Indiegogo really didn't make its mark um, in our industry. And I think GameFound being so focused on just games is really where we're going to see an interesting crossover uh, to having publishers use this site. What we're going to lose probably are those people who just kind of randomly find that thing that, oh, that looks cool. Oh, I also you know like the art on that. I'll just buy it. Um, because you're not going to get the crossover from other types of things like comic books and, mm. um, you know, luggage i think luggage is a big <laughs> kickstarter thing or you know <laughs> utility jackets and things that are very popular on kickstarter they're not going to be on GameFound, right because GameFound is game only so we'll see we'll see that's, if yeah. we get that crossover that's a great point that i don't know that i've ever really fully considered that i, I think GameFound is an excellent site and it, that it, but that is the flip side of being focused on one thing is that you don't get the other people who aren't just looking for that one thing yeah, it's a really interesting problem that I think we have in the game industry in general. Uh, typically, when I talk to people about marketing, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, ads on BGG, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, you're just you're yelling at the people who already know 
Right. Mar- marketing is mm-hmm. actually forging new markets with people who don't know you. Uh, how are you doing that? Uh, I don't know, right? And so GameFound doesn't do that necessarily, right? Um, it is games only, game centric, very in the community, very much, you know, if you're uh, a gamer, you might know about GameFound. But if you're anybody, you probably know about Kickstarter. So there's that difference, right? And we'll see. Yeah. We'll yeah. see. Uh, yeah. yeah, I agree because partially GameFound's website, one of the things that always bothers me when I do Kickstarter for when we talk about later on in the podcast, there's a segment we talk about favorite crowdfunding. I can go, what's the newest things added? It's very easy for me to find these things. GameFound, I find it much harder. It's like they have pledge managers and stuff open. And it's like, wait, is it ongoing or did I miss it? I can find it's a little bit. It's like you should, unless you already knew, like, you know, when the the next big Awaken Realms thing drops. Mm-hmm. You're saying because they have pledge managers sometimes for like projects that have already ended. Right. And it's almost like it's just because you already knew because you were in you're already uh, immersed in the world of gaming. Right, right. That's what I'm talking about, right? You're mm-hmm. you're a cognoscente, right? You're like you're you're an insider, <laughs> and it might feel good to be that, uh, but it isn't really making the market bigger necessarily, right? And that I, is I, the big thing about Kickstarter, right? It is we use it because it is an amazing marketing tool. And correct me if I'm wrong, board games are a, still a big chunk of Kickstarter. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Well, um, so it's, yeah, huge. So yeah. it's it's definitely something where it's not like Kickstarter, like, okay, whatever, they're taking like a weird niche. This is no. something Kickstarter is going to have to sweat a little bit over. Yeah, uh, and I mean, there's a lot of stuff that Kickstarter recently has done that, you know, have been questionable in terms of listening to the creators that use the platform mm-hmm. and whatnot with NFTs and, you know, the blockchain. Well, they're not doing NFTs, but the blockchain and whatnot. So mm-hmm. we'll see how mm-hmm. that pans out. Um, and we'll see what the answer is in the end, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I mean, it's definitely all these projects. Some of them are pretty big ones. Mm-hmm. No doubt would have been on Kickstarter if there wasn't a game found. So oh, they're definitely taking a chunk out. That's Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we, we almost made a million for the elemental uprising. That was like the second um, thing. And the first one we made over a million on Kickstarter. So it's not an insignificant amount of money that's leaving them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, well, any of these specific titles, uh, are either of you excited about uh, new side and happiness or sleeping gods? I, we will, and I haven't had the chance yet to play the original sleeping gods, but, uh, so it's a little early for me to be excited about a, another one, but it is cool. It's, that's a pretty big one. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm always interested in what Ryan is doing. So red Raven is a great brand in general, uh, because it's like fully and wholly just Ryan and his family doing it. Right. So it's, it's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Have you seen that? Uh, maybe it hasn't come out yet, but it was the on Kickstarter, movie? the documentary. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I, I know who, the person who made it. So I, um, I'm interested in seeing what it's all about. Yeah. Cause it, yeah, it's pretty, just a cool mm-hmm. idea. Pretty cool stuff there. What about you, Will? Any... I mean, it's got a dinosaur on it, and it's a single-player big story. Of course, I'm going to be excited for that. <laughs> I haven't played the Cyanide Happiness. I definitely think they fit along with the sort of Cards Against Humanity style games, which... I thought you did try I, playing the... I played, like, once, but I mean, I haven't, like, really... It was like a demo mm. during convention. Got it, yeah. 
so it's like they're not terrible. It's just maybe not my excitement, like what I'm most excited to try out. Right, right. Uh, we talked a little bit about Thorgal, so I'm interested in that. I'm weirdly curious about Raw, mostly just because it's like one of those games that usually everyone's like, oh, yeah, we've all played it. It's one I haven't. So it's like, oh, oh there's a new one. We have a lot of those actually in our <laughs> yeah. in our back catalog that are shameful, uh, and this is one of them. No shame. It's, it's opportunity. Not That's shame. right, and it looks great. No, you get you reap the benefits because you wait long enough, a newer version comes out, <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully it's a better version. But uh, the art, at least at least the look of it, looks great. I think. Yeah, it's Eno Tool on the graphic design. So oh yeah, we'll Can't see. Can't go wrong. Yeah. So these projects are launching uh, throughout the rest of the year. We'll, we'll put a link to the announcement. You can follow them all at GameFound. Uh, and we'll see. It seems like they, they certainly show no sign of slowing down. It seems like everything I've seen... Has there been a GameFound project that wasn't successful? I actually don't know <laughs> what their success rate is, but it seems like because they focus on certain ones at any given time, I, I always see them reaching their goals. So um, that is also a good point. I mean, it is sort of semi still beta, right? It's, it's, it's yeah. not like mm -hmm. wide open full throttle. So are they cherry picking? Maybe. Right. Right. Are they, are they working with like vastly successful publishers? So let's see. Cyanide and happiness. Yes. Um, portal portal. Yes. Um, Andromeda's Edge. So Cardboard Alchemy uh, did huge numbers in the last couple of games they did. Um, and Luke Laurie is a known, you know, designer property. So that's great. Um, Ryan Lockout, Red Raven. Yeah, I mean, all of these so far are pretty high profile games. Um, right. Even if you don't like them, right? Right. <laughs> if, you don't like the, if you don't like the Cyanide and Happiness style game, it doesn't matter. You're not going to buy it, but there's like... Mm -hmm probably tens of thousands of people who will. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I, I will say, I mean, scroll through, there do seem to be some smaller things, but at the very least, as long as there's not like something <laughs> you don't like see malicious the in the background, like I, I, going back to what you said earlier, competition is good. Yeah. So if this is enough to scare Kickstarter, I think overall that tends to be for the best, at least long-term. Yeah. I mean, certainly compared to Kickstarter, I feel like, you're ever you're always scrolling through like a dozen projects that you don't care about and not even that you don't care about but that actually look bad <laughs> like i do think gamefound has that going for it that i look at this project and even the ones i'm not as interested in i'm like it looks like a game though it's not some random mini or a political card game based on donald trump or whatever the flavor of the week is that someone mm -hmm. wants to make a quick buck off of it, it is curated in a way that it, it seems like they're they're really trying. I, I do wonder if that's going to be the way they do it forever, or if there's going to be a point where they like officially launch and they do allow more people in. I don't know. That's that's an interesting proposition, right? Because if they do open it up full throttle, like we said, then we're going to get kind of anything in there. Uh, as it is right now, where it's semi curated, cherry picked, whatever you want to call it, it's like all high quality stuff. So you know, if you go here, then you're going to get like the best of the best of the best, mm -hmm. perhaps, perhaps. Right. And right. I, I think that's a, a good, a good question to ask. One of the things that uh, I've heard, I'm not sure if this is 100% true and I don't know what stage it's at. I mean, I can probably go find out, but um, there was some hubbub the last couple of weeks, maybe two or three weeks ago about game found working on a way to help 
publishers with um, VAT taxes to the UK and such, which is a huge deal. Huge, absolutely enormous deal. I cannot imagine. Just because every time you read the shipping thing, I can just feel the pain of being like, all right, uh, yeah, if we, we, yeah, we can try to get it there, but that that, that now requires <laughs> this. And okay. like if GameBound can find a way to streamline shipping and the, the, the red tape there, yeah, that is that would be really good. Yeah, so um, I don't know what stage that's at or if it's something that's still in the works, but that was a rumor that I heard. Uh, a couple weeks ago. And it, it is totally true, right? So we printed a bunch of stuff in, in America uh, because we're like, okay, we can't do it in China right now. We want to make it real easy. Uh, okay, so we're only going to sell it to English-speaking countries. And then it's like, oh, wait, one of the biggest biggest English-speaking countries is fairly impenetrable right now just to the, the vagaries of VAT taxes. And so it just cuts out a huge market if you don't have uh, a way to work your, you know, the tax magic, uh, if you're not good at that kind of thing, right? Or if you don't have an agent over there. So it, it, is, uh, it is a problem for smaller publishers uh, because it just is hard. It's, it's inscrutable. Yeah. And it make perfect sense for both Kickstarter and GameFound to actually look into this, uh, considering board games, the European market is not something to ignore and they do have the clout and money to probably make more sense to have, as you said, like maybe that personal uh, agent or something. So if you are someone who's a little bit smaller, you can be like, now we got you. Look, here's how you get it over there. Yeah. That's all you need. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the shipping situation is messy and uh, it doesn't seem like it'll get easier anytime soon, but be great if uh, these companies would, play some kind of a, a role in making that a little bit easier. Uh, we've been talking about GameFound, and again, they announced these new games that'll be coming out uh, on their service in the near future. Uh, but there's, you know, we're still, a crowd board games are still relatively young, and crowdfunding is still relatively young. So there's, a, it'll be very interesting to see how these two things converge and what's different like five years from now. Who knows yeah. what these systems will look like. Uh, but let's move on to game announcements that are just straight up coming out. At least I think they're coming out, not to mm-hmm. a crowdfunding website. Actually, one of them's already out. Uh, so I'll mention a few here. Uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender is a new game from the op yes. called Fire Nation Rising. Already we've got some excitement here. Uh, and this is a co-op game uh, based on the animated series. Uh, they call it a card and dice game. You are recruiting heroes, and basically it sounds like going through the uh, roughly the the story of the Avatar series in broad strokes, facing off against the Fire Nation, trying to take them out. Uh, there's a big Fire Lord Ozai mini that sits in the middle of the board, uh, and it looks like, uh, yes, I believe this is using the same system as uh they've had a few other they've had the marvel thanos rising and yeah vader rising whatever they were called so if you're familiar with those games did they have a spongebob one i think so yeah okay so yeah that's it's a it's a system that they are uh relying on a little bit uh beyond that there's also gale force 9 who has announced a new dune game another one called arrakis dawn of the fremen 
And this is the, uh, the first Dune game, I think, uh, since the original Dune came out that is designed by that same team from the same designers as uh, the original Dune title. And this one takes place before the the context of the original Dune novel. And you play as Fremen leaders negotiating, trying to survive, get resources, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then third, I'll say there is a new Exploding Kittens game called Mantis. Based on an oatmeal comic, it involves uh, Mantis Shrimp. And it's, it's a simple game, I think, in the vein of Exploding Kittens, wherein you are flipping cards over and either taking them for your own score pile or trying to mess up other people's score piles uh, by trying to predict what the color of the card will be when you flip it over. So uh, there's, there's a few games, three games that really have almost nothing to do with each other. But I'll start uh, <laughs> back with you, Sen, because I know you have the privilege of actually being someone who uh, has worked with the Avatar IP. Yeah, many times. So uh, tell me what, I mean, if you can, a little bit about what that's been like. Obviously, you're a fan and uh, what you think about Fire Nation Rising or what that franchise maybe could do in the tabletop world that hasn't been done yet. Well, I I love Avatar. Avatar and Legend of Korra are like in my top three animated things of all time. So I absolutely adore it. Um, And I'm really looking forward to this because this was the original system. The Rising system was designed by my friend Andrew Wolf, and I actually never got to play it because of things like, you know, the pandemic and whatnot. (laughs) Um, So I've never got to play a Rising game. And this is the one that it's like, oh, yeah, I'll I'll get this one. Um, I, I like Marvel, but I'm not a huge fan of like the cosmic stuff. So Thanos isn't my favorite type of thing. Um, and, you know, I love Star Wars, but, you know, I just didn't get it. So this one, I will 100 percent get this because uh, Avatar and the whole license is very near and dear to my heart. Um, we did the Legend of Korra um, board game. And then I was one of the writers on the Avatar Legends role-playing game. And then there's other stuff that I can't talk about. Oh, um, boy. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm really looking forward to this uh, because it kind of does something that none of the other games did. It, it brings us those like Team Avatar and Zuko and all that kind of stuff on the tabletop. Um, that'll be really fun. It's really neat to see underserved fandoms get their due like get the game that they deserve or get something oh this is better than what we ever thought it was so i don't know if you know the numbers that we did for avatar legends but it's like the biggest kickstarter rpg ever um it's I, I like i remember that yeah it was, yeah it's like know, over nine successful. million dollars uh which is pretty ridiculous when you think about it. it's it's books right? it's it's not like <laughs> these big giant boxes of stuff Right. So when you get something like Kingdom Death Monster making, you know, a lot of money, that's great. But each individual backer is spending a lot of money. When you get an RPG making a lot of money, that's a lot, a lot of backers because the product cost is so much less. Um, So it, it was just a real testament to how much people like their IPs that don't have anything, right? So Marvel's great, but it has like, you know, you you look around the corner and you can find a Marvel something. I'm I'm sure right in my room, there's Marvel something somewhere in this room. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a Marvel thing right there. 
Oh, but there's also Godzilla and Scooby Doo. You're and always six oh my god feet I, from right? some kind of Marvel related. <laughs> right, product. exactly. But um, but the thing is that a lot of people really like Avatar um, and never got anything for it because a lot of the stuff that existed was you know maybe very kidified because it was Nickelodeon. Right. And then now well, we, don't, we don't need to go over how Cora was treated. During right. The, exactly. Right. Seasons. Oh, my gosh. And then um, now that those people who originally watched it are older and they're now watching it with their kids and doing rewatches. Now that's when these products come out. We hit that nostalgia button real hard and they're good games. Right. So you're hitting kind of the trifecta of how to use an IP to extend a license. Uh, Troy to extend a brand. So we're talking like brand extension and, and why Avatar is a good license to do that. It's actually more popular now than it was when it first came out. So that's that's a testament to the strength of the story writing and the uh, the series in general. The concepts are, yeah. are great. Yeah, I mean, John and me are huge fans of the series, and hence why we can complain when we were trying to catch up when it was coming out. And this is a perfect game for that, too, because going back to how you brought up with Kickstarter, the idea where Kickstarter can bring more people in, if you're a huge fan of Avatar, and then you finally see a game about it, and you it's can good. sit down and play. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. Thank God the IP, they finally learned that, oh, wait, we should actually make IP games good. <laughs> but like this is also is not one i feel like if someone who's never played a board game sat at the table they're gonna be embarrassed about like yeah they're this is not the the huge 4x that takes four hours that they're gonna feel bad they don't know the strategies right they're gonna exactly. be excited they're gonna see the characters they love and yeah it, it, it's the, it's the perfect kind of bridging mm-hmm. by the way i had to look up because i did not know there's a sponge up one there is there is <laughs> and funny enough i'm looking at that plus this core one i'm like the ones before, by the way, you didn't mention were Harry Potter and also Batman Who Laughs. I'm like, right. These two actually look, or especially the SpongeBob one, looks much more different. Like it doesn't have a round board. Yeah, I think, I think, I think all of them have some some difference to them, mm-hmm. right? Otherwise, you know, why buy it? And so, yeah, it's actually really neat when you work in licensed games a lot, like I do. It's actually pretty fun to take an existing system and modify it for different licenses because it has to be real for that license it's got to fit um and you know i think a lot of people just don't understand the skill and the the craftsmanship that it takes to do that well uh and i I really do uh think that um you know the op does a good job with that kind of stuff when you see it happen perfectly it's such an amazing thing i think a great example i know that i love that just happened magic released a secret layer about street fighter oh yeah yeah yeah. chun lee has the ability called multi-kick Course, it's appeared does. on cards before, but the fact it's on her card is just hilarious. Yeah, right. And it's those little callbacks that fans will like go, "Oh, that's amazing," and then people who aren't fans just think it's yeah, that that fits, sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. and it's really neat actually. Um, just talking about the RPG and what you were saying earlier that you know this this gets people into the scene. Uh, or into gaming, we know for a fact that there's a bunch of people who bought that who will never play it. We actually <laughs> write RPGs um, as a source book, uh, as a world building book, as a you know telling you about the world, 
more than just a game. It, it, it has to serve a bunch of purposes. Right. It's like so, a coffee table book in one person's yeah. house. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is as, <laughs> as someone who has a lot of fandoms and just like, I have this RPG book, I'll never play it. But you also know, especially with something like Avatar, when something has such a, it's not just the characters, the world of Avatar. Yeah. Is so amazing. I kn- I, Pandora, I know the world of Avatar. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> different, different, different Avatar. But you know, someone is just so excited to be able to pretty much literally be in their property. Yeah, and you read know about when they it finally get the place. table, it yeah. becomes RPGs. And I just like, uh, I mean, Alien is a big one for me. When we actually did the Alien RPG, it was just such an amazing experience. So I can only imagine finally being able to sit down, do something like the Avatar as the character, like when you like. What if I was a bender? Yeah, kind of thing. It Actually, it's, it's what's harder is what if I wasn't a bender? Because there are yeah. non-benders, right? Oh, I have no. Pro- I'd love to be the suck. Probably that, that being... you'll probably end up being the sucker. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> boomerang, go! <laughs> yeah, no, Avatar RPG definitely like a, a a dream game from back in the day of like, oh, I wish they would make a, a great Avatar RPG. So the fact that it exists and you help make it that's very exciting. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, so Avatar one uh, one big IP one another IP that you can't say is being neglected in the board game world anymore is Dune. No, gosh, no. Uh, <laughs> Sen, is there a are you excited about Arrakis or ha, do you think we've have we hit the point of too many Dune games yet? <laughs> no, but you know I think my only comment about this is I hope they add some color to the board. <laughs> you mean besides the color of sand <laughs> it's super sandy it's super sandy right now and i mean yeah. there are many shades of sand perhaps <laughs> i mean i get it i get it i get it but no yeah. um i i actually haven't played the new dune game yet the 2019 one so imperium. again yeah imperium again pandemic um being in canada uh and in a city where a lot of my friends who gamed actually moved away uh, because it's usually we're we're a university city, the city I live in, and so most of the time it's like they come, they do their PhD, and then they leave. And so <laughs> a lot of the gamers that I know have gone. Um, and with cons being mostly in America, and me not really wanting to travel quite yet, I haven't got out to play um, Imperium, but I would like to. Uh, I think Dune's a wonderful IP, um, and this looks this looks interesting. Because I'm always interested in the extensions, right? Like I talked about brand extension. Um, this happens before the novels. That's fascinating to me, right? It's like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, that's cool. How much more story can we tell within a game about a world that we want to explore more? A game is a perfect way to do that and tell you a little bit about the history without having to wait for somebody to write a whole novel about it. So I'm, I am fascinated by that as well. And I, I hope it's good. I mean... I'm looking at the uh, the creator, the game design list here, and it's like, oh yeah, those are like, you know, top tier people. So it's, it should be yeah. great. I, I definitely like that they're doing the prequel thing a bit more because my my biggest worry with all the Dune games is as much that it's flooded per se, but it's more that it's because of the movie came out. They're all part one. Yeah, right. And that's I think the more dangerous aspect. Well, you're you're like you're you're overloading only one part of Doom when there's so much more. Granted, apparently after I think book three, no one wants to talk about. Right. <laughs> Some people do. <laughs> <laughs> the fringe weirdos shouting at you outside of the library or whatever. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, it is pretty cool that these designers are working on this and they're certainly mining every possible cool aspect of, of the world. And 
hey, if, if people are Dune fans, and I think there's a lot of overlap too between Dune and board gamers. So uh, it makes sense that they're doing it. Also uh, worth noting that, you know, all the movie stuff sure is happening, but this game looks like maybe the look of it is a little more inspired by the movies, I think, but it's all original artwork. It's not... You're right, not, you're not seeing Timothy Chalamet or whatever. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. more thinking like the the previous, all the previous games we've seen. Like, okay, that's cool. Still, first movie. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> as someone who look, I have not read the books. I know you have, Jonathan. So it's always that. Like, I know there's more though. Yeah. So sometimes, I mean, like, you've seen most of it. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much what there is in the first book. <laughs> the worm uh, sands, you got it all. Yeah, that's, yep. that's pretty much what's there. Uh, and then, I mean, uh, Mantis. Uh, you know not exactly my cup of tea, but this this one Mantis from exploding kittens is actually available at target right now. They announced it and that's where it is exclusively. Uh, anyone have specific thoughts or excitement for the Mantis game? It does look colorful and you know, wacky. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm all in for, uh, trying any game at least once. That's, that's fine. Um, I'm also really trying to explore the ideas of, how do you make a game stick in mass market? Uh, that is a hard nut to crack. It's it's way harder than hobby uh, because you have to aim for a certain level of knowledge and you can't go above it uh, because there's just only so much background knowledge the mass audience has about games and you can't go much further because you'll kind of break the uh, the barrier of their tolerance Right, you'll pass that threshold. So it is always fascinating to me um, how a game hits mass market, sticks, and has um, you know legs past that. So, and I like Mantis Shrimp because they can do some cool stuff. So there you go. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Mantis Shrimp are crazy in real life. But <laughs> if for anyone who wants to try and like understand that, try to explain a game to people who've never played a game before. Yeah, like because as someone I have realized, even and this is a great example I've failed. I used a word thinking it was just a general word, and then Jonathan's like, "Is that from Magic the Gathering?" I'm like, "No, it's not. It was. I'm just so used to certain terminology things that I forget that dirtle." <laughs> the word was dirtle, and every well, at least me and one other person are sitting there like, "Did he just? Did he mess up a word? Did, is that a word?" Well, I don't know. <laughs> that was just a general term, but apparently it's magic. But like that kind, of, like you might not understand. People might not know what a deck building means, or even right. drawing a card and stuff, and just it, you don't realize until it happens. And you're like, "Oh no!" Well, it's funny because my friends, uh, game designers, they and they they're like, "Oh, we didn't realize that we had to teach people like when they're making kids games." because they don't have kids and they were kids a way long time ago. Like, oh, I didn't realize we had to explain how to roll a die. It's like, yeah, kids right. don't know that. <laughs> kids don't know how to roll a well, die. I mean, compared to some, uh, not compared, uh, if you look at some of the Reddit threads on Board Game Subreddit, there are still arguments on how to roll a die. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also true. That's a tough one. Uh, yeah, I wonder if Mantis will, you know, break through in terms of mainstream. It's It's not... I wouldn't think it's quite as marketable as cats, but I guess if it says exploding kittens on the side, it's still going to, people are still going to be interested in it. I, I uh, will say, cause I've, I do like his art style in his comics. I would love for him to make a game though. That's much more, cause he does some really like deep, thoughtful comic mm -hmm. or like much more. Well, does <laughs> and he I get what anything to do with the design of them? I thought they just took his comics and ran with it. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, you know, I'm sure he, because a lot of them are Kickstarter, he could probably just like, hey, do you guys mind if I just do this really weird game? Maybe. Like that's, 
I don't about know. About the existential crisis of running. I know uh, Eric Lang is now involved with Exploding Kittens, so he, there's yep. a good chance he had a hand in this game. So yeah, uh, that's that's worth noting. Uh, so uh, that's Mantis, which is out there target right now. And then real quick, a couple of uh, kind of expansion or add-on content announcements. Uh, Terra Mystica is getting a big box. For 150 bucks, it includes the base game, two expansions, and a solo mode uh, in a box that they say is just a little bigger than the original box, so nothing that will take up a whole shelf. And also the loop from Pandasaurus is getting its first expansion, The Revenge of Fozilla. Uh, now, I'm a, I really like Terra Mystica. I'm a big fan of it, and I don't have any of the expansion stuff uh this actually looks kind of nice i kind of like that i don't think there's anything in here that's particularly new or exclusive although i'm not actually sure about the solo mode i don't know if that was included anywhere else before this but uh maybe maybe worth an upgrade although it is 150 bucks i also imagine that i i always whenever they announce boxes like this i'm always kind of questioning who it's for because if you're a big fan don't you already have those expansions and if you're not are you really going to pay $150 for a game you've never played before? But people do it's that on Kickstarter all the time. Game, yeah. so. It's all in one and you got to have it all and you're a completist. Uh, yeah, I feel a bit called out right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we've all done it on Kickstarter. I tried not to do it. I actually didn't do it. I, I think it's over right now, but the unsettled Kickstarter, I was really on the verge of doing it and I was like, I just don't think I want to spend $200 right now for a game I've never played. Well, that's it, right? If I if I if I get a game on Kickstarter, it's always all in because I'm I don't want to have to look for other stuff. Right. I just don't want to do that when when I find out, oh, it was really good that one thing that you didn't get. Ugh. Or worse, when sometimes I'll just, you know, I'll buy something here and there. And then when the next Kickstarter comes up, I, I don't remember which things I have right. or I don't have. <laughs> so, and so, like, I have bought, I have backed Kickstarters and bought the same expansion twice because I just forgot <laughs> I had it somewhere. Uh, well, you do with that is you sell that and now you, and, and your old copy of Terra Mystica, and now you can get the big box. There, there you go. go. That's the strategy. Uh, Will, I don't you know actually. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Will, I know you played the loop. I didn't. So is this Fozilla, are you excited about the idea of more content? Yeah, I, I'm really curious. I thought it was a really fun game. A bit random, but the just that right amount where it's almost silly. You can just laugh at it. So I, I like the the new player characters. It looks like one actually has is like Viking twins. <laughs> so it's like you control two. The, that looks fantastic. I'm curious what in the world Fozilla actually will do. Yeah, who but knows? It's a it's a, a good cooperative game that is very punny, so I, I'm in for it. All right, so that one is releasing August third, I guess, just in time for Gen Con this year, probably. And uh, the Terra Mystica box is uh, available for pre-order today, I think, or soon. And uh, that is all the big new game announcements. For some reason, there were just a bunch of them this week. Let's talk about games that were also announced and are currently funding in our Kickstarter Pickstarter. Oh, this one looks uh, nice. It's nice. It's nice. This one. Kickstarter Pickstarter. All right. So there's a, a handful of new projects this week, as there always are. Sen, is there anything on Kickstarter, a, a particular project that you are backing or that you're just excited about? Could be from this week or could be something from a few weeks ago that you want to talk about. Well, I mean, I do have to talk about a couple. Um, so Monster Please. Pit uh, from Elzra Games, uh, they are kind of local 
to me. My friends work for them. Um, and it's it's just really nice to see them keeping on putting out product in the world of uh, Catacombs, I guess, was the original game that they came out with a long time ago. Uh, and so I'm really just happy to see more Canadian publishers uh, doing more games. I think that's wonderful. And then the other one is Motor City. Um, Motor City, a strategic engine building roll and write game. I love that it's an engine building in Detroit, uh, where my friends are from who made the game, the designers of Fleet and Three Sisters. So that's uh, Matt Riddle. Um, so yeah, right. it, it's it's going to be awesome. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's there's a really artful way of making roll and rights, and they seem to have kind of hit on it, and I have not. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't have a roll and write game. That's one type of game I, I haven't made yet, and I try to make one of each type of game uh, and get them published, but I haven't hit on something like that. So I will probably get this just to learn from it uh, because I really did like Fleet the Dice game and. I think they have a great style of linking up the dice roll and rights to a thematic engine and all that kind of stuff. Um, and this is their own publishing company now. So I want to support my friends. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like the looks of both of these and yeah, it's always, it's always great when you see a roll and write too, that looks like it has something unique to offer uh, because, well, there are a lot of pretty unique roll and rights, but there are also sometimes when it's, I feel like a lot of them fall into the same general sort of flow. I, uh, uh, to me, I think the thing is roll and rights. I love them all, but a lot of them are much lighter. I feel mm -hmm, like we're starting too. to them to be like, no, we, we can, we can, we can dance with the bigger games. We can right. be complicated. We can hurt your brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of the lighter ones still hurt my brain. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that one looks cool. Motor City, uh, which is 29 bucks. And then the other one you mentioned, Monster Pit, I think, uh, worth noting that it is set in the Catacombs universe, but it is not a dexterity game. No. Does not uh, involve flicking. That is that is right on the on the Kickstarter. It's yeah, very they funny. To be clear. <laughs> very clear. Yeah. They're like, do not do please you can flick the pieces, I guess, if you want, but it's not yeah. gonna <laughs> it's not gonna help you any. Might actually just annoy your friends. Uh but I think that's is this the first catacombs game that isn't that has broken out of that genre? Or I thought maybe I thought they had one, an, other. one other ones with cubes. It was. Uh the other game that they had was not really dexterity, but building things. Mm. Um, there's like, if you dropped it, it didn't matter. You just get to rebuild it. Uh, so yeah, not really a dexterity thing, but more of like a cube building, um, like three dimensional spatial rotation catacomb thing. cubes. That's what it was called. Okay. There you go. So monster pit, that one is $67 Canadian. We'll keep it in the native, uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> native currency. Yeah. Uh, both good picks. I think those look pretty interesting. Will, what about you? You got a pick? Yeah. Uh, I'm a big one that caught my eye was The Fog, Escape from Paradise. Mm. This is a, uh, it falls along the sort of cataclysmic event of something terrible happening, an evil fog, and you need to try to get your people to safety first. The board is going to be randomly organized with obstacles as well as the uh, survivors, the villagers. But they're not yours right away. You're going to then draft which people you want which I thought was very interesting. Not simply like, oh, my red guys are on the field. You might be like, ooh, I like that one for that power, but I'd rather have them in this position. 
And you're going to be using them to, as I said, to use their, each one's have special powers that may do different things, trying to get them on different boats, which score differently. As the fog is slowly rising, uh, reminds me a lot of um, breaking uh, is a Bezier game with the water level rising. Um, the uh, one with the airships? Or is yes. That, uh, Whistle Mountain? Is Whistle that? Mountain, thank you. The, the idea of just the, the, the line slowly creeping up on you. Right, okay. Mm. And of course, if you're caught in the fog, it, it does not end well for you. I thought you were going <laughs> to say uh, Forbidden Island. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sim, has there ever been a good fog i wanted to ask you that because you said like this is an evil fog mm, um <laughs> if there's i think fog. the pokemon move is good okay, okay. <laughs> fog of war uh the worst hate when there's fog of war uh silent hill that's obviously bad yeah, bad fog uh, the mist, I guess you could argue, is fog. Oh, but that's definitely bad. You know what's you Very know what's bad. a good fog in cloudy with a chance of meatballs? The pea soup fog. Okay, all right. Well, there we I'll go. give you that one. I'll give you that. <laughs> I think it was pea soup, or is that just the rain? I don't know. The fog was something. Anyway, so this game is the fog escape from paradise. Uh, yeah, it has a pretty unique look to it for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. And that one is thirty around thirty seven US dollars uh, to back. Uh, I think the one that I will pick this week is this game called Hamlet, uh, not related to Shakespeare in any way. This is Hamlet, a small town specifically by definition, which does not have a church. And is that what it means? That is the definition according to this huh. Kickstarter page. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, things I've learned today. Awesome. In, in British English, so a small th- village without mean- a church. Is Shakespeare's Hamlet an atheist? (laughs) We won't read into that right now. Uh, But the goal, actually, the end of this game is you building the church. So by the time you're finished with it, you have made the title irrelevant. (laughs) That's Uh, awesome. Oh, I see it right there. That's cool. Yeah, there's like an actual 3D church. I think it's pretty cool. It's a competitive game, but you're all building the town together. Uh, mm-hmm. So you all are placing your own tiles and they aren't like uh, they have different shapes and sizes. There's no grid. So the town is just look noticing that time. I was yeah. I I would back this just because of that. Yeah, that is fascinating <laughs> that those tiles are all wild shapes. Yeah, that you end up with like a, it looks like a crazy jigsaw thing. I like. Yeah, yeah that's definitely a lot more interesting than too, because then you're like, I like that piece but this one's going to fit really nice there. So that's so know. satisfying, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's like Maybe think, uh, was it Mad King uh, Ludwig who had like all the weird buildings. So you're like, yeah. I can't fit this corridor here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You should have to worry about stuff like that. And basically, yeah, you're, you're sending out your little people. You have a donkey that moves around and you're like activating different buildings. And uh, at, at the end, you build this little church and it looks like a really cool, you'll have a, a unique town that, is probably going to look different in every single game. I'd be shocked if you could build the same town twice. <laughs> the meeples look beautiful too. I love the the, the little donkey meeples. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta have those donkeys. Uh, all right, all right, you talked me into it. <laughs> Backing this project, we've done it again, <laughs> making people spend money in our Kickstarter segment. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, sixty US dollars on this one. Uh, it looks, it just looks really adorable uh, and unique for, for this kind of a game. Uh, something worth checking out. It's called Hamlet. Um, another one that I, I wanted to mention, oh, actually, first, I also want to say, I think it's funny that there is another game on Kickstarter right now called small city. So you have small city, which is what Hamlet means basically, but they're <laughs> two different games anyway. Uh, that also looked kind of cool, but that's not what I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about, 
uh, greeting cards games. Greetings card games is actually what they're called. Uh, this is a project that is six different games that fit literally on a greeting card. And the idea is you can play them uh, just as they are with the card. Some of them have components that you cut out uh, or tape together. And there's all kinds of different ones. One of them is like a party game. One of them is sort of a battleship style game. There's a programming game. They all have different themes. There's one that even is a cooperative legacy game that fits on a playing card and <laughs> you will be marking it up with a pen or a marker as you go uh, and permanently altering it for the next games. So you could theoretically put one of these greeting cards in an envelope and give someone as a present, a game just the size of a card. Hold, hold on. Is this like, I, if I have one of these, I sent it to you, Jonathan, you have the whole game to just play, or is it, I send it to you, you do your move, <laughs> no. send it back to me. It is just the size of a card. You aren't meant to actually mail these back and forth, although that's also <laughs> fun. Uh, the whole game exists on this card. Maybe you'll need some a pen and paper or something else or some scissors. Uh, but I thought this was a really unique idea, and it's 24 bucks for six different games. So uh, kind of kind of a cute one. Um, there's also a Warpgate, a game that we, I think, previewed a long time ago that is kind of fun. It has an expansion called Beyond. That one's on GameFound, bringing it back to GameFound. Uh, was there anything else anybody uh, saw on Kickstarter this week they want to shout out? Sounds there like we covered it all. Really great piece of luggage I saw. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that luggage. There's some primo luggage. All right. Then we will get out of the Kickstarter section and we'll talk about games we've been playing in Table Talk. Table talk. Sen, I would love to hear from you, uh, whether it be games that you have been playing uh, that are, are not of your own design, or maybe even some playtesting stuff that you've been doing, if you can talk about it. Uh, but anything that you have been engaging with in the last few weeks that you might think is fun to discuss on the show. Oh, so... Um, I don't know when this show is going to air. It will but... be out tomorrow. Oh, perfect. This is, so perfect. So, this is awesome. Um, I play a weekly game of Masks. Uh, Masks is a role-playing game from Magpie. Uh, Brandon Conway is the creator of it. And Magpie is also, you know, obviously Avatar Legends. But Masks, A New Generation mm -hmm. is a role-playing game about angsty teenage superheroes. And it is wonderful <laughs> because that is my favorite genre of comic book pretty much um, like Teen Titans and Young Justice and Young Avengers and Runaways and New Mutants and all that kind of stuff. Oh, there's more love, of those than I realized. <laughs> yeah. Love, love, love angsty teenage superheroes. Um, and this game does it really well. My favorite part about it is that they don't have stats that are set. Their stats are about how they feel about themselves, just like a teenager, you know? And hmm. so you can actually affect the way other people feel about themselves, which changes how they roll uh, when they're playing this Powered by the Apocalypse game. So it is one of my favorite games. We are currently like several months into playing this like on a weekly basis, which is great. And the thing I wanted to mention is that there's a Humble Bundle right now for it until March 23rd. So you can get, I think, like everything that's ever been printed for it, except probably the decks of cards for like $12.95 or something like that. So it's a great system. It is wonderful. 
if you like Powered by the Apocalypse games, if you like angsty superheroes that are teenagers, uh, do yourself a favor, check it out. It is lovely. And I play that like every Thursday night for a couple hours every week. Um, it is just fascinating. Uh, I use that word a lot. It's fascinating <laughs> to me to just play this game for that long um, when it's not like Dungeons and Dragons and there's no leveling up and there's no like mm. gold pieces to count and there's no monsters to kill. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask very you, narratively based. So yeah, like it's, it seems like, you know, most games, most RPGs, honestly, that aren't D and D or Pathfinder, I feel like are generally at least somewhat geared more towards either a one shot or like a smaller session. Mm-hmm. Uh, so has it? I assume it's not that you're a player. It sounds like not. No, a, I'm the I'm the game master. Oh, you are the game master. Yeah, oh, yeah. well, great. So like, has that been difficult for you to? you know, come up with more content or have you, have you just been completely making it all up and it's been a blast? It's been a blast because I do zero prep gaming, so I don't prep at all. The best uh, way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just, I just ask my players what they want to do and then we do it. Like they, we have like a mind map of all the characters that they've created. I've created like one or two of those names and they've named all the rest of them. And then they just show up in the stories at some point. And it's wonderful. It's beautiful Uh, because that's actually how the game is started. Um, You create this, like the backstories of all your characters. Like, how did you first meet? What's the name of the villain you fought together? You know, that kind of Mm. stuff. And it just balloons out from there in such a organic and beautiful way that the players are responsible for a lot of the narrative that's created. And the GM is just basically kind of putting obstacles in their way. You know, that kind of thing. And it really makes for a nice dynamic play system where you don't have to do a ton of prep uh, in order to have a great time. And that is kind of my favorite thing about Powered by the Apocalypse games in general is they're set up to feel like a three-dimensional character from day one because they're playbooks. They're not like, which are slightly different than, you know, classes and race combinations in D&D. Um and I, I kind of like that better because I want people that can do cool stuff right from the get-go as opposed to like level one thieves who can have, you know, maybe eight hit points. <laughs> That's about it, yeah. right? Poor Roland. <laughs> right? Roland, there we go. Uh, do you ever uh, come up with, you know, after a session that you, when you just, or, you know, you're improving stuff on the fly, do you ever then write some of that down and say, oh, I got to save this for a future a book that I'm going to write. <laughs> I mean, we 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 because we're doing it over Zoom. One of the cool things is I have a professional account for Zoom, and so I I turn transcription on, and it's all transcribed. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> yeah, it's kind of neat. Um, we don't keep it all the time, but it's there's definitely stuff in there like that's a good story. We should we should probably write a comic about that. Um, and I play with a bunch of other people in the industry and uh, other people who like you know are comics people, so. You never know. We might write something that is based, uh, you know, that, you know, was first life was first breathed into it over over Zoom. I was going to say or on the tabletop, but it's not really on the tabletop. It was over Zoom. But yeah, you, so I played that a lot. <laughs> do you ever use um, Roll Twenty or any of those kind of sites? Or so I'm a I'm a. This is another reason why I'm a zero prep GM mm. uh, in general is that I'm a theater of the mind guy as well. I don't really need maps 
I don't care for them. I, I, they're fine. And let me tell you, I drew tons of them in grade 10 math class uh, because we had graph paper. And so like, that's all I did was draw D&D maps uh, as a young mathematician that was not doing any math at all. I was drawing maps. Um, and I love them, but I don't need to play on them. Like I don't need figures. I don't need any of that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying need in a bad way. Like if you, if you like them, great, do use them. They look beautiful. I, I suck at painting. Uh, that's not part of why I want to play a game. I don't necessarily need that as part of the lifestyle choice of a game. I want to spend more time telling stories with my friends than I do wanting to like calculate how many hexes am I away from you know that forest or how many uh, you know grid squares can I run before the dragon breath cone of cold hits me. You know that that doesn't interest me <laughs> as much as a fluid narrative where we're all. Uh, co-creating the world around us. I think that's that's what I want to play it. If you like yeah. those other styles of gaming, that's totally cool. And um, I like it too, just not as much as this. So yeah, I don't use Roll20, but I, I do use Roll20 for other things that require more uh, like table presence for other styles of games. Yeah, makes sense. I, I'm right there with you. I, you know, when we would, we would play D&D over Roll20 and... I, I would do sort of like a middle ground where I would kind of draw a map for certain scenarios, mainly for combat and stuff, but it wouldn't be like exactly the most detailed map. Uh, but I feel like if it were up to me, uh, I, I'm, I'm happy just saying like, you, you want to know where you're at? Uh, ask me and I'll tell you. I'm just go Yeah, or, or where do you think you're at? You <laughs> right, right. Yeah, even better. <laughs> so the, the other thing is I, I play with a lot of people who aren't min-maxers. You know, they don't really care about experience points or whatever. So they're not the type of people who would say, I'm right next to him because right next to him gives me a plus three bonus because I have this specific weapon of close rangedness. <laughs> there, there's nothing like that in the systems anyway. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Whereas D&D makes that kind of stuff matter by mathematics. And so when the design yeah. of the game facilitates a specific play style, I tend not to play that game if I don't like that play style. Mm -hmm. uh, if I wanted to do that, I'd play, you know, I don't know, Warhammer or Car Wars or Gaslands or something where there's a physical representation of a piece on a tabletop and I have to measure it out and see how many inches I am away from stuff. Or X-Wing. I would actually rather play X-Wing than all of those things combined. Uh, Gaslands is pretty close uh, because of the templates and the flight plans and flight paths. And those are fun and interesting. Um, but it's a different game. It, it tweaks a different part of my brain. Yeah. Yeah, and neither is better or worse. They're just different games for different purposes. Yeah, totally get that. Uh, so, Mask sounds really sounds really cool. Yeah, and check it out. I imagine that also, you know, you having experience in design makes it, it makes you probably a pretty good GM. So, I bet that's a fun game to be in. I guess uh, so. Joel's the two of you because I know you both can do that on the fly. You're both clever enough. Me, I when I was the DM, I came up. What is the currency of this place? Uh, Amiibo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know, it, it's, oh, I just, I just, here, here's my trick. Uh, and this is, this is actually from, I think, masks. I think I learned it from playing masks a lot was as a GM, all I want to be is like the biggest fan of the players and just watch them do amazing things. And by kind of living that as a high level guideline for my play style as a GM, everything just sort of falls in place. It's like, oh yeah. You can totally do that. I'm the I want I want to see you do that. And the funny thing is that the players are more willing to fail at those points too. 
because they know something cool is going to happen because of failure, right? There's this one thing in, in masks, like if you if you miss a role, like you, you don't do a good role, um, it doesn't, it happens, the, what you want to do happens, but the GM gets to explain to you how it is unstable or doesn't work exactly as planned. And my players, you know, nine times out of 10 will pick that as the option because they think it's hilarious. <laughs> right they think the stories that we tell out of it are so fun um the, the failing yeah. forward yeah style. yeah failing forward or just like the mistakes are more fun than success okay yeah you beat the guy oh you beat the guy you beat that other guy that's not fun right right oh, is yeah. it so why yeah. superman isn't a great character unless he has good villains to fight it's just right really really powerful yeah where's yeah, the challenge sure. <laughs> Yeah, so I, the, what I'm hearing is that's the players need to be need to make up the slack for uh, my my failings. I mean, maybe. Uh, I mean, good players often do make a game that much better, right? Uh, and if you have new players, it's good to model that play style or whatever play style you want at the table uh, with the experienced players or as uh, you know the GM. You know, in D and D, as a GM. I will, I'll just throw out like inspiration points as like candy. Why? Because I want you to play that particular way. I want you to, to really have good narrative uh, storytelling about how you're entering in combat. Not just, I roll a D20, I got a hit, I do three points of damage. It's like, no, tell me more about it. Yeah. And if you do, then I'll give yeah. you experience. Or not experience, but inspiration points, right? So anyway, there's, there's, there's tools that most RPGs have to influence player behavior. Uh, and I, 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 think, I use those to the fullest. <laughs> I think a big one for D&D that I love is the idea of using, I forget what it's called, but it's what you use, Jonathan. It's the, you don't earn XP system. per se, milestones. Mm -hmm. You're not, you, you don't have to be like, all right, how many, how much XP did I get from killing these goblins? All right, that's five goblins. It's just, you're leveling up what goes to the story. So you're, you, you don't have to think about that as a player. You can feel much more, you're connected with the storyline. And, you know, when it comes to those inspiration, it becomes a lot more fun if you are throwing them out, especially if it's like, they didn't just, I swing. You, if they went like, I look at the goblin and say, your head is mine. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Which I often say. <laughs> I just, like, the, the extra little bit is always just, it, it makes everyone more excited to be at the table. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and then, of course, they fall forward because they rolled the two. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is good. I, I love this discussion. I love thinking about that. This kind of uh, macro level GMing and stuff. I think is really fascinating. Uh, glad to hear your input on it. Uh, besides masks, is there anything else you've been playing lately that you want to talk about? Um, uh, Root. I love Root. Always good. Root is such a good <laughs> game, and I just got. Speaking of Root and Magpie, I just got the Root role playing game oh, in the mail. Better. So that'll be hitting the table sometime, I hope, uh, because I'm really interested in playing in that world. I think it's so Root was probably my favorite game of, you know, the year it came out, 2019, 2018, whenever it came out. It was such a breath of fresh air in terms of just, just you know, art style, play style, everything. I, I want to like Vast and Patrick is a very good friend of mine, but I don't like Vast uh, because of how it's designed. It's a little bit too... Um, you know, you have to know how everything plays in order for you to play at a, a good level in Vast. And I just, I just can't. Uh, but Root took that 
idea of asymmetry and sort of said, okay, let's let's do that, but have some more commonality between all of the the play styles. And that for me was like, yes, that that is chef's kiss. Let's play this and let's play it like forever and ever. Amen. Uh, <laughs> and so I back anything that's root all the time. My oldest son, without me even telling him this is a good game, he took that to play with his friends and they play it like incessantly. Uh, they play root and they play oath and they love all of the stuff that uh, Cole and Patrick are putting out. So yeah, that is, um, I just got the new root expansion and the oh, yeah. root um, marauders uh, and then the uh, RPG. So both of those will hopefully be hitting the table as soon as physically possible. So will you be running the root RPG? And if not, what are you planning to play as? <laughs> I, I probably will be the one who runs it because I'm the one that owns it. You're, so that's you're the, that's you're usually the, the forever DM. Yeah. And the thing is like, so here's the deal, right? As a person who is normally the the GM or DM, uh, that's why I have that style of, you know, no prep and theater of mind and biggest fan. Like those three things together allow me to kind of throw a session together really quickly, get people going and build the world out as we're playing. It's really, really organic and exploratory. And I'll often ask the players, like, what do you think happens in this room? Or, you know, because they're wondering what happens in this room. I said, well, what do you think happens? Well, I, I see this. Oh, cool. Tell me about that. Right. And it allows me to just be a participant instead of having to like make up all this lore, uh, which I, doesn't really, I would love to try that sometime. Mostly because yeah. one, I know there's two people who I would be like, what do you think happens? And then force them to actually come up with stuff. Be just swing. <laughs> two, I know I'd have to be careful with that with my brother around because he'd be like, what do you think? Yeah, like, all right, so here's the deal. Coca-Cola saw, uh, like fountain on the left, like water slides explode from the right. And then from the center, a giant hamster arises. I'm like, you just walked into a 7-Eleven, man. <laughs> <laughs> Parameters must be set. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, that, that's the kind of thing where I think everybody has to sort of subscribe to an oeuvre, right? A, a kind mm, of, this yeah. is where we agree to play in. This is a world where this happens, but this doesn't happen. Um, and once you get there in some agreement, uh, then I think it's a really good way to play those styles of games where it's it's more about the story and the experiences uh, versus like rolling specific dice or, you know, knowing how many, you know, d6s of damage you do with that particular sword in that hand but it's different when you hold it in the other hand that doesn't matter really right <laughs> yeah yeah definitely well sen i'm ready to subscribe to your uh rpg design newsletter <laughs> let me know when that's up and running yeah i will <laughs> I, lo I love i love hearing about it i think it's really cool uh and, and also huge fan of root and i'm excited to find out uh what you think about the about the rpg because mm -hmm. i'm I'm definitely curious about that one. That's one of the ones that I, I would want maybe even just as a coffee table book because I think it's so such a cool design and cool world. Yeah. Uh, so that is Masks and Root. Uh, Will and I have been playing uh, just a couple of non-role-playing board games. Uh, first, we played a game called Uprising Curse of the Last Emperor, which is one uh, we also previewed back when it was on Kickstarter about a year ago, maybe, a year and change. Uh, and we'll be reviewing it soon on our uh, YouTube channel, but it's a cooperative fantasy themed. 
I think you'd call it a 4X style game, right? I, yeah, I the idea good. is it is a cooperative 4X. You're not trying to kill each other. Rather, the goal is to beat the two opposing teams, the Empire and I think the Cursed. Chaos. or Chaos. Yeah. It's chaos, but they spread curses. And try to beat their scores by a certain number of rounds, depending on the game length you wish to play. Yeah, so everybody has a score tracker, including the NPCs in the game. So everybody will lose if they're higher than anyone else. So every player has to beat the NPCs, but not each other. Oh, that's really cool. I like that. It's a really fascinating concept. I really like the way that it plays out. Uh, this was also interesting because previously the way we had played it was digitally on Tabletop mm. Simulator. And it's just always interesting, I think, to go from that to seeing a game in real life and how you realize how much the tactile experience brings to a game like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, I imagine that, especially with, you know, every the pandemic that, uh, Sen, you must do a lot of assume you've done some design work and play or play testing work through tabletop simulator and everything like that. Oh yeah. I mean, you can't escape it right now. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a big hassle cause I hate it. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not my favorite of platforms for many reasons. Um, also it is clunky. It actually adds time to the playtime because it's just clunky. Like you can't fl- flip yeah. cards as easily as you can in real life. Right. And there's, um, a lot of a lot of stuff i think just problems with making games virtually that are supposed to exist in the real world so i know there's people out there that are making games that have like 7000 dice why because i can they're virtual and then you have to like scale that down for an actual product when i say I, we can't afford that we can afford 7 dice like okay, so what happens to those 6993 other dice well i don't know i've seen orc players in warhammer 40k i think they still have all those dice <laughs> they do they do yeah bring your own dice um yeah you you want to make a video game in that case i think <laughs> not a board <laughs> game yeah yeah so you know it's it, i i've you know it's something that we did and was kind of fun just during quarantine was like oh we can still play games and now I'm at a point where I'm like, I don't, I really don't want to ever want to play games in that platform again, unless I have to, just because it's, it's just so, there's so many advantages of being in real life, as you said. Uh, but Uprising, I mean, I, I really like it. I, I don't, we won't, don't need to talk about it too much in depth because we will have a review for it, but uh, it was fun to see it on the table in person with uh, no minis in that, or at least maybe there's, is there another version with minis? I don't know, but there's a version with standees that we played that are really nice. Uh, like, I, I don't know if they're acrylic actually, but they're like some kind of very nice plasticky standees, just a fun, unique concept of a game. Uh, yeah, that's uprising. And will I see you've also been playing some trails? Yeah, I, I just had, uh, doing some work with someone the other day and they had waiting for delivery and we're like, I'm like, ah, you know what? I have this game. I haven't played it yet. It's been on my shelf. Let's try it out. Uh, trails is the. Smaller spiritual successor to parks, same idea. Mm-hmm. You are taking a very beautiful hike. And in this time, instead of gathering up elements to buy park cards, you are gathering up either stone, acorn, or leaves. Those might not be the exact terminologies uh, to get badges and also take photos, which may have birds in them. And whoever has the most birds gets a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Why not? What's interesting. If you play parks, it has a similar idea where you have a piece and you can decide to move like one or two pieces forward. And in parks, once everyone gets to the end, it new round, this one goes, as soon as you hit the end, you turn around and then you go back. So you keep bouncing back and forth, but 
But every time someone hits the end, there's a sun piece above that slowly moves. And as it leaves the tile, it turns it to its night side, giving it a new power. So it becomes this, as the game progresses, like more powerful or different powers start happening. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, I can do more now. I can do this. And then there's also a wildlife token that gives a bonus. So it is fun and it's a, being a lighter version of Parks. That said, it is it, because I think there's less going on in elements. We were talking about like after we played, like we wish it was almost like a little less competitive because you can tell like, all right, if I go here and do this, I know I can stop you from buying that badge or do this. And like you're like, I just want to hike, which <laughs> when, I, when the person said, I'm like, so you just want a VR game where you just walk around the parks. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so is it, if you have parks, what's the reason to have trails also? Is there one? Yeah, it's different because like it's back and forth and I think it works well, but I could. Oh, is that, I, Maybe I missed it. Is this strictly a two player version? No, I just played a two oh, player. Okay. You can do a three to four. I think it's, I think it's more of just that there's less going on. There's not like all the, if you, you know, the different elements and the parks are, I feel like the parks in parks that you purchase have a bigger variety. So you're thinking a bit more and this is just like, yeah, I'll get a stone. Got it. So Most lighter. Things. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's trails. Uh, I assume the same beautiful artwork and all that stuff though. Yeah. Just not as much as the parks was the thing I missed the most probably. Which is why I would like mm. lean towards parks, just because I love all those park art cards. <laughs> <laughs> got it, got it. All right, so that's the stuff we've been playing. Uh, actually, let's let's end the show by taking a little trip over to the Meeple Gallery. Meeple Gallery. Those high pitched squeaks are the sounds of our little meeples, the people who write in sometimes with questions and comments. And uh, once again, we're hearing from patron and fan favorite Hoser40k, who has written in with another one of his batches of 8 million questions, which we'll probably answer later uh, on our Patreon podcast. But just one of them is going to be here on this podcast for the sake of time. Uh, and the question is this it, it involves free shipping. Hoser says, most online retailers offer free shipping when you purchase over $100 of product from them, uh, referring specifically to board games, I believe, in this instance. Flat rate shipping is usually around $6. Is it worthwhile to pad out your online order to get that free shipping, often ended up ending up with stuff you don't really want, or is it better to just get what you want, really, really want, he wrote that, I didn't think that, and just pay the shipping fee? Uh uh, so I thought this was an, an interesting topic. Uh, Sen, I'd love to hear what, what you think. Do you, uh, if you're buying board games, do you fall into the trap of trying to fill your cart out to make get that free shipping? Or maybe you even, uh, maybe you just shop at a local gaming store. I don't know. What's your, what's your shopping strategy? Well, I'll tell you what I want. What I really, really want <laughs> uh, is um, I, I will always be able to find something because I use a lot of components, right? So if there's just even like, oh, you just need five bucks? Sleeves it is. I'll get a bunch of sleeves. Ooh. And it's the funniest thing because I do not sleeve any game whatsoever. I only sleeve prototypes. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, no, I, I am totally get free shipping uh, because I I have this mental block in my head that makes me think, oh, I'm saving money, right? So... Um, I will always get more. I also, you know, 
like games. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I will buy those things. I actually don't. I, I so I own a ton of games, but I don't buy a lot of games anymore. I just don't have time to play a lot of them. So if I was to, uh, you know, say, oh, you're five dollars away from free shipping, I, I would make the effort to 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 pad that out for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it, it is weird in Canada because if I'm getting it from the States, uh, it doesn't matter. I'm going to get dinged with duty and all that kind of mm, stuff anyway. Right. So it has to be from a Canadian source. That's that's the caveat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's tricky. That is a whole other thing that mm-hmm. uh, we don't think about down here. <laughs> uh, Will, what, what about you? Yeah, what's your, you go for that free shipping? Uh, it depends usually how much the shipping is going to be. Sometimes, sometimes it's really cheap. I'm like, oh, it's it's just two dollars. I'm I'm fine just going that. I'm not gonna think about what I want because I I always feel bad because I know I could easily just get to the hundred or whatever the the <laughs> it is. And I'm like, but I like I mean, so I have things I should play first at least once. <laughs> yeah, do you that's... really though? Do you really? <laughs> Never stop. No one look at my Steam account ever. <laughs> <laughs> Well, exactly. I have things in my Steam account that I didn't know I ever bought. I don't know where they came from. I'm sure they came from oh, a Humble oh, Bundle. Yeah. yeah, that's the fun thing with Humble. You're like, when did I get this? Yeah, I've but, um, I, I've I bought a game on Switch a while back that someone had already gifted me on Steam like the year earlier, and I forgot. <laughs> you seem uh, to do the, you seem to do that a lot. Yeah, it it does. It's happened. It's happened to me multiple times. Uh, and uh, this uh. This this is another instance where I often fall into the trap. I I mean I don't make a ton of board game orders honestly, but pretty much if I do, I'm probably going to make a to make it a hundred dollars worth, or some of them are seventy five or whatever the threshold is. Um, recently, that's the other one too. If you're already at like ninety five, it's like <laughs> yeah. Recently, I needed some sleeves, and truly, <laughs> I was like this close to. Also adding on top of it, like two or three giant expensive expansions to make it. And at the last second, I was like, I'm just going to get these sleeves on Amazon and I can, I don't need to deal with this. Why am I, why am I, I have Amazon prime or whatever. I shouldn't be doing this right now. So I was pretty proud of the restraint I showed, but I don't usually show restraint. I do. Uh, But it's, it's true. Like, especially if you're, there are so many good games that it's not like I ever, you can certainly argue that we're getting games we don't need, but rarely do I feel like, Oh, I shouldn't have bought this. Cause it's not that good. Like there's always a good game I've heard about that I can add. <laughs> there's always right, something. Right, exactly. <laughs> there's always uh, something I, I didn't press, you know, pull the trigger on a Kickstarter. That's now there. It's like, Oh yeah. And I would have wanted if, it back then. I missed it. Let's if you're it. involved in any kind of uh, like LCG or anything ongoing like that, that makes it easy too. Cause it's like, Oh, there's always yeah. something It's like, there's, there's two packs I didn't get for whatever reason. Right. Um, but I would encourage uh, listeners to not do as I, as I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't do as we do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. It's do it. I don't Spend think it's more. good. Uh, that is the trick they play. I would say, yeah, just, Buy what you need if you can. It'll be better in the long run. Uh, but what thanks. if I need it at all? Oh, well, if, obviously, then you have to do it. <laughs> if anyone else uh, listening has a question or comment about board games, uh, email us meeplegallery at gmail.com is the address. But that's the end of the show. And send for helping us out and for helping Roland out, you've earned experience points. Ooh, and cool. you get to spend them right now, just like real oh. RPGs work. You get to spend those experience points to 
plug your projects. Tell us and the listeners uh, what you got coming up and how they can follow you online. Wow, let's see. So you can follow me online at Senfeng Lim on Twitter. That's S-E-N-F-O-O-N-G dot L-I-M. And uh, I, I, I'm currently under a stack of NDAs. So <laughs> I don't know what I can actually talk about. That's the hard part, right? Because I, I, it's like, oh, can I talk about that? I don't know. Can I talk about well, that? Well, then mm, we're just going to stay tuned to your Twitter until you can. Well, that that's it, right? <laughs> so just follow me on Twitter. I, I usually talk about it there like, oh, my gosh, I got to talk about this today. <laughs> or we finally <laughs> announced it, uh, right? So there will be a bunch of announcements at some point in time. Um, just Just know that there's some, you know, we're we're really doing our best to make licensed games good. That is that is kind of my life mission, I guess. I didn't start it, but I'm certainly going to finish it. <laughs> if people <laughs> want me to make a game about that movie or that comic book or whatever, and I like it, I will 100% do my best to make it something that feels like it belongs in that world. Uh, and I think that's kind of where uh, myself and Jay and Alara really have got... Um, a good level of skill uh, is taking the essence of an IP or an instance from an IP and making a game out of it that feels like it belongs in that world. So there you go. You know, here's your challenge. We were just in the last audio expansion talked about what game no, property was, has not really existed it was this, yet. It was the regular podcast. <laughs> oh, I thought it was, I got mixed up because we didn't have a guest. <laughs> but I guess for Jonathan, Euphoria, because he's just been watching that show. So, oh, <laughs> Yeah, what do you, you think yeah. about a, a board game based on Euphoria? Any pitches? Any, any concepts? <laughs> well, there? so I, I actually think that there some of my friends are probably working on a, an RPG based on it. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> well, because well, it, 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 it makes more sense. Than it a does. Game. For yes. a lot, there's a lot of stuff that makes more sense as an RPG. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, I could see that happening. Uh, I actually need to watch it more. I haven't watched tons of it, um, but everybody's watching it, so maybe I should do. I don't. <laughs> That's know. That's right. Well, it's season two ended, so no one's talking about it anymore. It's over. <laughs> you know, yeah. Don't worry about it. Uh, are there any games that, like that that came out anytime recently that maybe people might want to check out that you had a hand in? Oh well, I mean, sure. So, oh, the pledge manager has just opened like yesterday for the deluxe um, mind management plus the expansion for that. Uh, and the, it's kind of funny because the expansion was this really cool idea where we hid a whole bunch of secret codes all over the box and the rules and cards and everything. Uh, and then you go to a website and you enter whatever you think the code is supposed to be. And if you're right, you get a new card for the game. Uh, and wow. so that was what it was and it was awesome. People loved it, but they're like, yeah, but can I have a real card? I'm like, okay, but you got to pay for it. <laughs> so that's what the secret, that's what the secret missions are is, uh, the, the printed, the professionally printed manufactured versions of those cards that we gave away. Plus, uh, some new ones or a new one. I don't know how many we made one new one i think uh <laughs> then we made a whole new card game from a regular deck of cards uh so it's a regular deck of cards that you can use to play in any game that you play with a regular deck of cards like euchre or hearts or poker or whatever but each card has a superpower on it that you can invoke uh if that card is active this turn uh so you could play poker and say Oh, I play the three of spades, and that lets me look at your hand. You know that kind of thing. So, <laughs> I love uh, it. <laughs> yeah, we did, we kind of wanted to subvert mind management as a property is just about subverting everything, uh, and that is a game that we worked on like 
hand in glove with the series creator, Matt Kent, who is a good friend of ours. And we, that's what I said. Like when we, we say we want to do justice to the IPs that we lived and breathed. And the game is like, that is my management. And so Jay's imprint off the page games is basically we're doing that for creator owned comics. Uh, so comics that aren't like DC or Marvel necessarily uh, that are owned lock, stock and barrel by the artists and writers. And so we're getting to work with those artists and writers to create brand new art for that property. They're going to write stories and adventures. If we do RPGs or whatever, they're going to do all that stuff with us because they're getting a bigger part of the profit and it's their baby. Uh, so be on the lookout for stuff from off the page games. Uh, right now, mind management, the Kickstarter just ended, the pledge manager's open. Uh, another couple things that are coming up in the near future will be um, One Night Only, which is a role-playing game that I made with Banana Chan. It is about managing your schedule as a teenage high school garage band, uh, and then you come back together at your like 20 year um, reunion. I love so it. <laughs> that's a, that's a fun little thing that's coming out um, through exalted funeral. They made Morkborg. If you know Morkborg and you know, sure. the quality of the stuff that they make. Um, so that's coming out sometime this year on Kickstarter, I believe, or somewhere uh, maybe game found. I don't know. And then what else? You know, I think that's probably all I can really talk about. I want to talk about that <laughs> and that. I'm just looking at my desk and, oh, that's cool. And it would It's be okay. Really you can good just tell us afterwards. Things. Yeah. <laughs> and we totally won't that. be recording. Right. Um, but there's a lot of cool stuff coming out. Um, if you're a fan of IP, of properties, of things, um, maybe check out the games that are made for them because there's a lot of great designers working on those. It's not the same as it used to be like in the eighties and nineties um, when it was just like reskins or it was like roll and move Batman or whatever. So mm -hmm. uh, the games are better now. That's yeah. all I got to say. We're, we're on a hundred percent agreement with you. I've been enjoying licensed games a lot over the past several years, and I'm glad that you are a part of that movement and uh, people listening. We will put links in the show notes to where they can follow you, your Twitter, et cetera, so that they can keep up with that stuff. And you have an awesome, diverse range of, of games that you've put out. So I, I think I, I don't, I couldn't imagine anyone wouldn't find something in your catalog that they like playing. Yeah. That's the, that was the hope actually. <laughs> now there you go mission accomplished uh listeners if you want more roll for crit go to rollforcrit.com you can find our youtube content and more over there uh you can support us on patreon for our bonus episodes patreon.com slash roll for crit uh or you can rate and review us on itunes again you can also email us with questions or comments at meeplegallery at gmail.com uh but send thank you so much for being on the show it's been awesome to hang out and chat with you for a little while and hopefully you have a good uh, a good rest of your week up in Canada up there. Hope it's not too <laughs> hope it's not too chilly. No, it's it's actually been pretty nice. Thanks very much for having me. It was wonderful talking with you. Thank you so much. Happy to do it. Uh, and thanks to all our listeners for hanging out with us on the show. But that's going to do it. I'm Jonathan. I'm Will. And this was Roll for Crit. <laughs>